0: welcome you to the Eye on the U podcast. Barry Jackson filling in for David Wilson this week alongside longtime Miami Herald University of Miami beat writer Susan Miller Degnan. Great to be with you, Susan. And uh, it's a time of year where things start to get quiet, but there's still football activity going on. We get a new batch of freshman football players arriving on campus this weekend and then enrolling early next week. And also the beginning of recruiting... In, in uh, I would say this would be the beginning of recruiting where we actually will see activity and commitments and players on campus, because as most of our listeners know, it's been a dead period because of the pandemic, and that continues through May 30th. But beginning in early June, we'll be able to see players on campus. UM will have a paradise camp. There will be visitors. There will be a barbecue for members of the class of 2022 and 2023. So still plenty of football activity to talk about over the next 45 minutes. Uh, Susan, I know you've been talking to some of the early enrollees, or, or I should say some of the players who are enrolling uh, next week. Uh, that group includes two elite prospects, Leonard Taylor, the defensive tackle from Miami Palmetto, uh, James Williams, the five-star safety. Uh, so those are two high-end players that UM is getting in this class that are both scheduled to enroll in the coming days. Uh, running back Thaddeus Franklin defensive end Jabari Ishmael, defensive tackle Alan Hay, uh, offensive lineman Ryan Rodriguez and Lawrence Seymour, uh, and three very good receiver prospects, Romello Brinson, Brashard Smith, Jacoby George, as well as linebacker Tyler Johnson. So I'd like to talk to you about uh, some of those players uh, that you've spoken to, a few of them, right, Susan?
1: Yes, I've spoken to, I think as of right now, five of them. Um, and they're as always, Barry. Every every year, they're all excited. They all think that they're going to be the ones that bring UN back, and they they should be. You have to have that kind of attitude. Um, but it's it's kind of fun to talk to them, you know, right before they head to uh, their first class on Monday, um, and you know, like starting college life. You remember it's, it's a, it's a big passage in your life. And, and a lot of these kids, some of them it's the first time perhaps someone in their family has gone to college and they're very proud. They're, they're nervous. They're a little nervous. And, um, uh, yeah, I've talked to all the guys I've talked to so far have been all offensive players. It just turned out that way. Um, you know, I talked to Brashard Smith and, uh, And I talked to Romello Brinson, um, you know, receivers. And I talked to tight end Khalil Brantley and and offensive lineman Lawrence Seymour were some of the guys I talked to. And they're um, like I said, they're they're excited. And most of them are from South Florida, which this class, almost all of them, actually, that are coming coming in. Um, I think Molly Curtis is from Fort Myers, but otherwise they're, they're local kids, you know, it's not like they're some of the other kids from out West, like Jake Garcia, California and other, the quarterback, you know, they came in for the early, uh, early as early release. but yeah, it, they're all psyched and, and ready to go.
0: Let's talk about some of the offensive players first. I would say it's difficult to envision any of the three receivers, cracking the top five in the rotation, at least initially, because you have obviously veteran talent at receiver for UM. I think we can all reasonably assume that Mike Harley and Charleston Rambo will get regular playing time. We're probably going to see Restrepo; Mm -hmm. he was so impressive in the spring. And then obviously Pope and Wiggins uh, are competing for one or two slots. So those would be five. You have Keyshawn Smith and Michael Redding. That's seven. We haven't even talked about Jeremiah Payton or Dad Worsham yet. So even though Brashard Smith, Jacoby George, uh, even though all of them, all three of those receivers are high-end prospects, there just likely isn't going to be a need for them to play right away. Now, I I found this interesting, Susan, about uh, Brashard Smith. Uh, When Manny Diaz has been talking to uh, reporters across the country this offseason, he's consistently – brought up Smith as a player to keep an eye on. I remember Mike Farrell, the uh, recruiting director for Rivals, asked Manny an open-ended question about his 2021 class and what needs were filled. And the first player that Manny mentioned was Brashard Smith, uh, saying that he has the ability to turn a short reception to a long gain, and that's obviously a vital skill for Rhett Lashley's offense. So of the three receivers coming in, if there's anyone who could crack the rotation, I still think it's a long shot. But if there's anyone who could, it might be Brashard Smith. Just impressions talking to a couple of the receivers, Susan.
1: Yeah, well, Br- Brashard Smith, again, he said he was super excited. Um, he, he said that, I asked him what he was most nervous about, Barry. And mm-hmm. he said that, um, wait, that he talked to Mike Harley and Harley told him, that the the freshmen have early morning wake ups and that he has to wake up at five in the morning. (laughs) He (laughs) said that it was crazy. He never wakes up that early. He wakes up at six, but he doesn't, you know, then he doesn't go straight to work out. So he's a little nervous, believe it or not about the, you know, it's going to be organized and having to do a lot of them said that actually having a certain, uh, schedule that they have to fulfill, um, And they all think, Barry, I mean, all of them have great credentials, like you said. I mean, Brashard Smith, consensus four-star prospect, um, and, you know, high school teammate of Leonard Taylor, uh, you know, he's friends with Leonard Taylor, um, but they all think they're going to play right away. They they do, most of them, not, I shouldn't say, not all of them, okay, but um, most of them, and So I can't can't really say how they're going to do. I know that every time these guys, like the receivers come in, you remember before, even before last year's class. And, you know, we thought, Oh, wow, this is going to be, you know, uh, this is going to be a really good year for receivers. They're going to be better again. And it was just, it still was disappointing. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I can't say yes for short Smith. Yes. He gets great reviews. I mean, they all do, but um. I really it's so hard to tell, Barry, until cut guys that we think, uh, you know, Jeremiah Payton, who looks so good. Remember when he first came mm-hmm. in? in spring? I mean, he was so good and he is so good, but he hasn't. I don't know, it's things haven't gone his way, really. So you just- Right,
0: you know, one thing that I hope for, Susan, is that none of the seven receivers in the last two recruiting classes get impatient and decide to leave. We've seen that with a couple of kids over the last few years. Marcus Hazard uh, gave up after a little over a year, transferred to Georgia, Brian Hightower left for Illinois. You just wish some of these kids would be more patient because the grass isn't greener on the other side. Hightower had a handful of catches last year for big yardage, but uh, he would have done that here. Uh, Azard might crack the rotation. So you hope that these seven receivers from the last two years all stick around and know that eventually they're going to get their chance. It might just not come for all of them, especially the three new ones this year. Now, tight end's interesting because I know you talked about Brantley, and uh, there is an opportunity for both Brantley and early enrollee Elijah Arroyo to play right away this year because UM doesn't have a lot of depth at tight end. Will Mallory the only veteran established player. You also obviously have Larry Hodges and Dominique Mamorelli, but Dominique uh, has been injured this spring. It's iffy if he'll be back in time for the opener. And Hodges' status is a bit murky at this point. UM has not definitively said whether he will return to the team. He remains on the roster. uh, so He's on the team, but just to remind uh, our listeners who weren't familiar with this, uh, he was pulled over by cops and uh, was charged. But then charges were dropped after cops uh, claim they found marijuana, also an unregistered uh, handgun uh, mm-hmm. charges were ultimately dropped. However, uh, at this point, UM is not indicated if he has been reinstated. The Canes didn't call it a suspension. They merely said that he was away from team activities, which obviously happened since the arrest. So Brantley, to me, has a real opportunity. Uh, I. Uh, Talk to Manny Diaz about some of these kids. Diaz said of Brantley, you're talking about natural pass catcher, a guy you can line up in multiple places and be a matchup problem for the defense with his speed, similar to what you see with a wide receiver. He can take a five-yard play and turn it into an explosive touchdown. He's got great hands, a great knack for getting open, Manny said. A guy that has flexibility, you can line him up as an outside receiver. And in a spread offense, you will see the creativity uh, continue to be used by Rhett Lashley that they obviously used with Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory last year. I think Arroyo is considered probably the prospect of the two, Susan, who has a higher ceiling. But I like Brantley's skill set. I think he's a solid blocker from, uh, from everything I've heard from recruiting analysts. Uh, the accomplished receiver that Arroyo is he's a good receiver but with Arroyo we're talking about an elite receiver who caught 13 touchdowns in a Texas high school last year so the future at the position looks pretty good if Arroyo and Brantley are what people think they will be I know you uh you left your conversation with Brantley with a, a, a real good impression of him right
1: yes excellent excellent uh what a what a nice what a nice person um he was so happy to talk to me um just uh, you know overflowing with enthusiasm he said that he you know he's listed Barry as 62 and 205, which <laughs> small for a, a tight end but um he told me he's now he was very excited he said he, he's up to 226 now okay he told me he was the, he was the one who said he seems like a realist realist and he seems, he seems pretty mature and um, just like just a really good kid. He said that he knows college will be will, quote, be a process of getting bigger and better. He knows it's going to be a process for him. I think I think he realizes he's probably not really going to play. You OK? Oh, sure. although, although uh, they are really lacking in tight ends right now, just just like you said. I mean, Brevin Jordan's gone and Will Mallory is rehabilitating from shoulder surgery. Elijah Arroyo, uh, I think Elijah had knee knee surgery or something with his knee. And Dominic Mamorelli, I think, had a, a shoulder, shoulder surgery or shoulder injury from one of the earlier scrimmages, not the spring game. So they're all, and, and Larry Hodges, they did say, you're right oh he was away from team activities but they said because of a, a quote a violation of team rules that was in mid april you know i i think they they're hurting in the tight end department now unless these guys all get better soon but again yeah. we have a lot of time okay sure
0: so, Let's touch on the other offensive players enrolling early next week. Thad Franklin, once again, another high end running back prospect arriving and whether Franklin gets an opportunity in the the Alabama game, to me that comes down entirely to whether Don Chaney is ready. Uh, Chaney had a shoulder procedure. It's questionable if he'll be ready for Alabama. So it's conceivable Thad Franklin could be your number three back in that game behind Cameron Harris and Jalen Knighton who continue their battle for the starting job. Uh, Frank Franklin averaged nine yards on 573 career carries in high school. So this is a legitimate four-star high-end prospect. Didn't have a lot of experience catching passes out of the backfield at Chaminade Madonna. He had seven career catches for 80 yards. Uh, But there's no question this is a top 300 prospect in the country and a guy who's going to be a factor here. Manny Diaz said he's an explosive running back, uh, can run through tackles, has got good feet to avoid a low tackle, powerful lower body guy I think he has an opportunity to replace Robert Burns who transferred to UConn maybe yardage packages and then they Mm have a running back arriving but he's not coming until August Cody Brown who was released from his letter of intent from Tennessee so he will be a factor potentially in August so you'll see Franklin and Cody Brown competing For that number three running back job, if Don Chaney's unavailable for the opener, otherwise they'd be competing for the fourth running back job. And I want to touch quickly as well on the offensive linemen arriving next week. I know you talked to one of them. Uh, These are good Mm -hmm. prospects. Ryan Rodriguez projects as a center guard. You have Michael McLaughlin, uh, who's going to be either a left or right tackle here long term. Uh, so the offensive line has been bolstered and Garrett justice, I I think has just done a terrific job with this line. They're clearly improved, uh, from the time he arrived. Uh, just your impression, Susan, talking to one of the offensive linemen who's arriving next week.
1: Uh, it's Lauren Seymour. And, um, you know, he, again, he was excited. He was a little, he was a little quieter than some of the other kids, um, and you know, uh, the thing is, he's he's six one. You know, his his nickname is Big Baby, Big Baby Seymour. Right. <laughs> and I know, and I know uh, David Wilson has written about this, and it's, it's not like it's a secret. But I said to him, why? You know, why why do they call you Big Baby? And he said, because he was always he said I was always the biggest kid on the field. He said, but I want to be called Lawrence now, and that's because <laughs> he's he's six foot one. OK, he's not as much of a big baby when he gets to UM and and sees linemen that are that are bigger. However, he's I think he's he's get, he told me he's about 200, excuse me 320 pounds now. OK, and um, is listed as 6'1", 292. And, and they do not like that direction that he's going in. 320 for 6'1", is is, is just too big. He needs to be able to move. Um, He's going to be the, you know, the youngest one kind of on the totem pole or whatever. And um, I think he has to, they want him to lose some weight. And, um, you know, he's, he's convinced that he's, he can end up playing. He can end up starting, you know, but I'm glad he's excited. And he's supposed to be, again, I don't, I don't watch a lot of these kids in high school, but he's, you know. He's a, a four-star guy. A per, I think he was a, maybe an Under Armour or he's an All-American. Um, and, uh, you know, again, a local, a local guy. Um, and, you know, he's supposed to – that UM offered him an eighth grade, okay? He went to my he, – he just graduated from Miami Central. Um, so I, I'm sure he's good. But, you know, Barry, as we know, offensive linemen really need some time, or usually they do. I know Zion Nelson – uh you know started as a true freshman they have to do stuff like that but offensive linemen need time to develop right and yes
0: and we're seeing that certainly with isaiah walker you know it's going to be interesting uh these six young offensive linemen who have been added by um over the past 18 months it's going to be interesting to see who emerges as the best of the group you had isaiah walker who obviously committed to florida and then quickly changed his mind and enrolled at Miami. He's still mm-hmm. developing. Doesn't look like he's going to be in the top seven or eight this year, but certainly looms as a potential left or right tackle here in 2022 or beyond. He'll be in the competition. You have, uh, Washington, obviously the, the guard who was added in last year's recruiting class doesn't look like he's going to be in the top seven or eight jail. Jaylen- right of the kids in the 2020 class, Susan, he looks, as as we both know, as the young lineman who is poised to play a lot. He was competing with Ja'Kai Clark for the starting left guard job. Clark, as you exclusively reported, uh, had a car accident, so his status for the Alabama opener is very much in question, so Rivers might be the starting left guard uh, yeah, against Alabama in Atlanta on September 4th. So those three kids and the three ones coming in, they will be the nucleus of this U.M. line in 2022 and 2023. Uh, Corey Gaynor probably will have moved on by then. Uh mm-hmm point jakai clark will move to center we both saw how todd mcshay said that zion nelson in his mind is a potential top five nfl draft pick so we could see nelson moving on after this year uh dj Scaife has eligibility remaining but we're not sure if he's going to around if he has a good year at right tackle and obviously jared williams came back for one final season and Navon donaldson Uh, yeah well one final season so there's going to be a lot of transition in this um line after next season and yeah. the kids have made some mistakes obviously in offensive line recruiting uh herbert zelante hillary simply haven't been factors so of these kids walker washington rivers last year and obviously this this year's group of seymour mclaughlin rodriguez um mm-hmm. need at least three hopefully four of them, to become solid long-term starters in 2022 and beyond. I want to touch on the defensive additions who are enrolling next week, including two elite kids who could really be factors in getting this program back, ideally the top 10 status. We're going to do that after taking this short break. And we welcome you back to the Eye on the U podcast, Barry Jackson alongside Susan Miller-Degnan. We're talking about – The batch of freshmen, a batch sounds like chocolate chip cookies, but we're we're talking about the batch of freshmen who are arriving on UM's campus this weekend and enrolling next week. We already talked about the offensive additions. Want to talk, Susan, uh, for a little bit about the defensive players, and it's a group headlined by two five-star kids, Leonard Taylor, the defensive tackle, and James Williams, the five-star safety. Uh, I spoke with Palmetto's coach, Mike Manasco, about Leonard Taylor, and I asked him, do you think he's ready to immediately join a defensive tackle rotation that's pretty deep with Nesta Silvera, John Ford, Jared Harrison Hunt, uh, Jordan Miller, Jalar Hawley? His answer to me was absolutely. Manasco told me the day he steps foot at practice, he is going to play. I've never had a a kid like him, Manasco told me. He's going to compete to play immediately from the moment he takes – His first snap in practice, the talent, the size, the explosion, and the IQ, uh, all are things you want at that position. So from all accounts, this is a player with elite potential, a player who we could see in the National Football League in four years. And you and I both know from being around this program for so many years that UM is at its best when it has elite defensive tackle play obviously we've seen will fork jerome brown all of the others who have gone through here uh right. so i'm really excited to see if taylor can crack the rotation with william susan it seemingly uh, is probably more ambitious to think he's going to play right away because they're deep at safety obviously with very Aaron deep all right and amari carter uh, and golden
1: the thing is yes absolutely i mean safety is safety is their deepest position and now, Three. yeah, now with James Williams, it's even deeper. Uh, I mean, I, I can't believe that they have the number one. I've said they have the number one safety, you know, nationally safety this year with the last name of Williams. And then Avante Williams was last year's right number one, right? They, it's, it's amazing to me. And he hasn't even played yet, Avante Um, Yeah, I agree. Bubba Bolden. I I mean, I keep seeing people like discussing things all over social media and saying, oh, no, Bubba Bolden won't whatever. But Bubba Bubba Bolden will start. I can't believe he wouldn't start. He's going to start. Right. I mean, I I
0: think to me, as impressive as the young kids were in the spring, we saw Avante Williams around the ball a lot. He's obviously a very impressive athlete. Uh, Keyshawn Washington, the second year player, Cameron Kinchin's. Uh, the early enrollee yeah. yeah. as well. But And I'm curious what your thoughts on this, Susan. To me, well, yeah. safety is a position where you need to have guys on the field against an opponent the caliber of Alabama who have experience, who have metal, who know what they're doing. So to me, it's a, right. a certainty in my mind that the three safeties who are going to play against Bama are Bolden, Carter, and Hall. Now, the question is – your your thoughts on this. The question is, if Avante Williams, if James Williams, if Ballum, who's coming off an injury from an accident, if Cameron Kitchens shows you more in August than your three veteran safeties, do you play them against Alabama, or do you say, no, we've got to play the experienced guys against a Nick Saban offense?
1: I think – well – uh, you know, I, 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 unless, unless, um, Bubba Bolden, okay, Gervin Amari, Amari is playing, playing striker now. I don't know, right? Play he's been
0: cross training there, yeah. and Manny ideas has not announced whether that's definite.
1: No, but I, it, and Cam Kinchins, yes, he's done great, but I, Barry, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I, you're asking me, they're gonna, they're gonna start Bubba Bolden, um, you know, and and Damari or Gervin or whatever. I, I you just you I don't think you can throw somebody like Avante Williams into an Alabama game who is because because Manny Diaz is, has even said that the, the kid is totally gifted and you know he runs around like he's you know like he's on fire. He's really hyper and everywhere and but he's not disciplined. I, I mean he hasn't learned yet he's still learning. Okay? Right. And I think they're going to, these guys are going to be shocked when they, when they, you know how they always talk about, oh, the college game. Wow. It's so much faster. And I mean, James, first of all, James Williams is coming in to this, this summer session. He wasn't even there. We're going to talk about that later, but you know, I mean, we're, I, the thing is he wasn't even there for, for spring and early stuff. I, I just can't see it, Barry. I cannot see starting James Williams. I can't see them starting Avante. I mean, maybe he has not, you need the guys to, to, I mean, even Bubba Bolden last year, we saw where he regressed at times, where Mm he flustered, let's say like at times he was so great at tackling. Remember that he would, and his side took the wrong angles and like, it's like he didn't know how to tackle, but sometimes he was so perfect at it and so beautiful looking at it. I, I can't imagine them putting a true freshman in to start. Do you agree? Right.
0: I, I totally agree with that. And I think at corner against Alabama, you're going to see the veterans, obviously Tyreek Stevenson, Al Blades, God willing, if he's healthy, uh, mm-hmm. and then obviously DJ Ivy and to Corey Couch. Uh, now there is a safe, uh, there, there is rather a cornerback coming in in this class, Malik Curtis, but he's- right. Part of the group who's enrolling next week, he's not going to enroll until June 27th. So the entire freshman class should be enrolled by next Tuesday, except for Malik Curtis, the corner, and except for Cody Brown, who was a late addition to the class, uh, the running back from Tennessee. I know right. you and David have talked about spring football. I haven't had an opportunity, at least on the air, to talk to you about spring football. So I wanted to just share a couple of thoughts with you. I am emerged- sure. Everybody did. Obviously, so encouraged about the future quarterback, knowing you have two viable starters, guys who look like upper level FBS starters in 2022 and beyond in Van Dyke and Garcia, that Garcia was able to pick up the offense so quickly and look so smooth. To me, was pretty remarkable. Certainly helped him having a father. Who was involved? Who knows the game and helped him? Being in three different high school programs over the last 15 months—two in Georgia, one in California—he's obviously a smart kid. His accuracy just amazed me. Uh, a player portrayed portrayed the two of them this way. He said Van Dyke is going to take fewer chances. He said Garcia will take more risks, which is probably going to result in more mistakes. Uh, uh-huh. but- said that UM would be in good shape regardless of who the starter is. My hope, Susan, is that both stick around in 2022. No matter who loses that starting battle that year, you hope that the player won't immediately leave if he loses that job. Do you look at these two kids where in your mind it's a total toss-up who would win the job? Because I think before we saw Garcia, a lot of people would have said, okay, Tyler Van Dyke is at least a slight front runner to start when De'Ara King moves on in 2022.
1: Now I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Uh, I – well, I wasn't certain. You know, I hadn't really seen Garcia, you know? And, and 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 as David and I say every week on this podcast, we haven't seen anything because of covid you know, we actually haven't seen them play. So really, uh, spring the spring game was the only time we've seen them play, and that was especially, you know, I mean, on offense and defense, it's as vanilla as you can get, you know. Right. Um, and I think they set them up to succeed kind of, but still, and they throw a lot of, you know, long passes and things. Um, I, I still, I agree with you. I think Tyler Van Dyke, is the type of guy who would not transfer at least for now well he won't he won't this year but you know what i mean even maybe sure there, I, don't, I don't see it he seems very mature and i really really like him uh, and i and jake garcia 100 percent will not transfer this year at least i mean I, he knows he's coming in and if, if derek is ready you know derek is a guy but jake garcia was very very impressive I I mean, he was, he's, he's, uh, he's super gifted, um, really was very, uh, now again, again, they don't get hit, okay, they don't get hit, and to me, that's a deal, when they know a defensive lineman, I've talked to some players also, and some guys that are leaving, that are, you know, you know, went to the pros, um, and they're like, well, when they know they're not about to get hit, they know it no matter what, um, they're, they're a lot freer and, and less stressed, kind of. Um, but Jake Garcia was great. I mean, he was really poised, um, great arm, great accuracy. Um, and I, again, agree with you on the, um, he's, seems like he's the type that's going to get picked off more. Right. Um,
0: and and also j- just just to be clear, obviously, when I talk about transferring, I'm not talking about this year. I was talking about the worst case scenario where the loser of the job in August of 2022 decides to transfer. No indication that either one of them would. So we're not reporting, we're just talking about yeah. you know, hopefully they won't, because you see so often in college football yeah. who lose a battle immediately deciding to leave a couple other observations on this. Yeah. yeah, Yes.
1: Let me, let me just say one other quick thing. Um, The thing with quarterbacks is you never, it's just crazy to even predict that now. I mean, because we have seen so many weird things with quarterbacks, okay. That, uh, you know, they're the, they're the nuclear, they're the heart of the team kind of everything revolves around them. And storylines always end up, Um, you know, evolving, but put it that way. So it's, it's a way to know. We'll know more as the season goes on, what those kids are really like. Okay. Sure.
0: Sure. I was going to mention just how impressed I was with Tyreek Stevenson from feedback I got from UN people. Obviously we saw him in the spring game, just made a couple of terrific plays in coverage. They now have what should be a legitimate number one cornerback and to pair him with Couch, and when obviously you're a nickel, it's going to be Stevenson, Couch, and either Blades or Ivy. I think they're yeah. going to be very solid at corner. Uh, still have major concerns at linebacker. Uh, Corey oh, Flagg definitely yeah. improved. Uh, his body is better. He's a knowledgeable, diligent kid. He's around the ball a lot. The question is, Corey Flagg at his size, he's obviously not nearly as big as Shaq Horterman was. Is he going yeah. to be a thumper at middle linebacker. What is the ceiling with Corey Flagg? That's my question. My hope, and I want to say this carefully because I mean no disrespect at all uh to Bradley Jennings or to Wayman Steed Two kids who have persevered here through injuries, good young men. Uh Bradley Jennings in particular has been a contributing player here. Steeds mm-hmm. with the two ACLs. So I want to be careful how I phrase this. But to me, it's not a good sign. If you open in against Alabama with Jennings and Stee, just because of the limited ceiling with those players, we've basically seen what they are. They can be rotational players. They can help you. But to me, the hope is that two of your young guys emerge in August and become playmakers, whether it's Sam Brooks, who missed the spring with a toe injury and can never seem to stay healthy. He obviously flagged with a bunch of tackles in that independence bowl in Shreveport a couple of years ago, whether it's, right. Flag, whether it's Tyree Austin cave, whether it's Avery Huff who had a very good spring after playing barely any defensive snaps last year, right. Tyler Johnson, obviously a young linebacker coming in. So you just hope that either you find someone in the portal in the next couple of months or that the young kids develop and become, you know, the, the ultimate hope is they become pink near quarterman. And that's probably unrealistic to expect, certainly right away against Alabama. But the hope is that over the season, you are going to find players who can make even 70 or 80 percent of the impact that those two had. Uh, does linebacker worry you
1: at all? Very much. I mean, very much. They they, you know, you've got Tyler Johnson coming in, like you said, brother, younger brother of Jaquan. Um, right. And and you've got Deshaun Troutman. But. And I, and I know UM, you know, had the three, including Zach McLeod, who now is a defensive end, uh, linebackers who started as true freshmen um, But years ago. But um, it definitely worries me. The, the spring game, you know, the defense is supposed to be ahead of the offense <laughs> in the spring, usually. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, the offense was very much ahead of the defense, um, you know, still. So yes, yes, that's the, that's the big, I think that's a big worry of everybody. And I, I wonder if would they ever, I, I I keep thinking, would they ever take James Williams and experiment him at another position or I don't know, he might not. Yeah. Some
0: have said he could play linebacker. I, I think the expectation is they're going to look at him at safety first, but it's quite possible. I mean, he's rangy. He's a good tackler. He certainly is big enough for his body to grow weight-wise into linebacker. So that could be an option long-term. You know, I guess their other big position of concern, just because we don't know exactly what they have, is defense. We do know what they have in DeAndre Johnson, which is an accomplished SEC-caliber player, four-and-a-half sacks for Tennessee last year, had some good moments in the spring game uh, with a sack and a safety. So we think he's going to be a contributing player and likely – is he Jalen Phillips or Russo? Of course not. But if he can at least be a capable starter who can get you five to seven sacks and be good on the edge against the run, that will be helpful. And then, Susan, it basically comes down to what do you have with the young guys? Is Jafari Harvey ready to take a next step? Chance Williams, we've heard good things about him as right. a pass rusher. Cam Williams, Zach McLeod, obviously, here for his 98th season, making the transition to defensive end from linebacker. So do right. they have enough with that group to get pressure on the quarterback and to at least be competent against the run? That, to me, and linebacker are the questions with this team, presuming presuming that De'Ara King gets back to what he was last year off the ACL. If you assume yeah that he will, and we all hope and expect that he will, then to me, the biggest question on this team is, do you have enough at defensive end, guys who can get to the quarterback yeah. where you don't have to blitz constantly, and do you have enough at linebacker?
1: Not, not. I mean, I'm not convinced yet. I, I, I'm not. I thought Jafari Harvey, you know, was going to be a major factor, and he might be. It's just that those guys very um because you know Jalen phillips and quincy Roche, um they didn't really have a chance those guys played a lot and um i i it's another thing where we're gonna have to see i i definitely worried about defensive yeah the the defensive end position um and and linebackers mostly linebackers but yeah
0: sure.
1: vince again until i see it i i I'm not sure.
0: And just a couple of closing thoughts from a football standpoint. One is surprised me in the spring game that Jordan Miller started ahead of Harrison Hunt because at times last year, Harrison Hunt, for a brief stretch, he was their best defensive tackle. Now, Silvera should be their best defensive tackle, but Harrison Hunt gives you the type of athleticism of the position uh, that Jess Simpson and Manny Diaz want. So I, I found that yeah. a little bit curious. That and was the, weird. Uh, you know, at receiver, To see Rambo come on really well the last two weeks was very comforting. And to see Restrepo be a first-down machine. I mean, the guy's got reliable hands. Uh, He will be a factor for this team this year. And Susan, just to see the jump he made from year one, obviously he didn't have much of an offseason last year because of COVID, but to see the jump he has made, to me, has been pretty impressive. Very
1: impressive. Very, I you know I think they're they're working on you know he's again a very um, gets very excited, you know, um, and I, I know what he had there were some uh, worked, I guess he had returned some punts if you recall and, and some kickoffs maybe and, and right
0: and struggled with his hands absolutely good point.
1: He had some fumbling, but I it was some of but a lot of it was decision making, being impetuous and, and wanting yes. to make a big play. They're trying to calm him down a little on that of course that's different than his than his receiving because i know in the his front his true freshman year last season um he also was very promising i agree with you i i think uh, not to mention he came from deerfield beach high school <laughs> <And my laughs> right. anyway I, no um i think uh, there i swear i do believe finally that they're in better shape receiver wise but again i just keep saying i'll You know, when I see it, I'll know for sure. But um, yeah, Charleston Rambo, um, really, you're right. Comforting is a very good word. Um, And Mike Harley, I believe Mike Harley is going to do very well this season. I think he has been laser focused. Um, And I think uh, and I think some of the young kids will come out. I think they're going to be in better shape uh, receiver wise. I yes. And how
0: much I, playing time will Keyshawn Smith take away from Pope and Wiggins? That to me is going to be a fascinating subplot. That's true. We are almost yeah. out of time, but I want to get your quick thoughts on you baseball. Nobody in town uh, from a sports writer standpoint knows the program better than you. Uh, it's been a disappointing year ranked as high as number one early in the season. And now just fighting to make it uh, mm-hmm. a regional as a host. Uh, what is your expectation moving forward for this team?
1: Um, I, uh, now, because they won their last three games, although they, last week they swept Appalachia State, but Appalachia State is not a, a good baseball program, right? But I think uh, Miami, you know, they've got seven regular games, regular season games left to go, and um, they play Georgia Tech. They need to, I think they're going to get into the tournament. That's my gut, is they're going to get into the tournament, Um I don't think they're going to host. That's also my gut, but we'll see. They're not. They're not ranked now, um, and they'll find out May thirty first if they if they get into the tournament. But they've got. That's the. That's what they've got to do now. They're going to find out Friday, uh, which is I believe when this podcast will be released. Um, we should find out if they are one of the twenty finalists to host a regional, which is the first round of the NCAA tournament. And my gut is no, however, they're doing it a lot based on COVID testing and certification. And there's no better place than Miami, which has the Lenore Center or whatever, they right next to Mark Light Field. Um, and UM has, you know, great medical facilities. So um, we'll, we'll see, but they've got, they've got to get in the tournament or it's a complete failure.
0: Absolutely. Susan, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. We thank all of you for listening for Eye on the You Podcast. For Susan Miller Dagnan, I'm Barry Jackson. Enjoy the rest of your day.